Welcome back to the In-Laws Podcast. I'm Brianne. And I'm Sophia. We're two law students who created this podcast to talk about law school, law talk, and everything in between. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at the In-Laws Pod and our law school pages at Soap in Law and at Brianne in Law. For this week's episode, we're going to be talking about pro bono. Pro bono is something both of us are really heavily involved in and love about law school. But before we get into all that, we're just going to kind of recap our month off. it's been a long time time. (laughs) what we've been up to post finals post law school graduation for Brianne and then what we're up to this summer and just kind of what our plans are yeah so I graduated thank god um I, I had um like three different nightmares that I failed a class and did not actually graduate Oh my god. Um, I have all my grades in now and I did not fail any classes. Let's go. <laughs> um and I uh I went on a little vacation. I went to Alaska and now I'm on week three of bar prep. Um I just started property today and I I hate property even more the second time around, actually. It's gotten worse. How could it get any worse? It's gotten worse. I like the lecturer though. She keeps making like Beyonce references. Okay. Okay. Keeping it interesting. Yeah. That's good. Um, let's see. Post finals, I immediately drove home because I was taking a road trip with my mom, my sister, and my sister's boyfriend out to Virginia, like DC suburby area, to visit my uncle, who's my mom's brother. Um, we usually see him like once a year around holidays. So this, it was nice to like go out there in the summer and hang out and see my cousins. Mm-hmm. Um, we were there for like, like a little over a week, maybe eight or nine days, but we drove. So that took like a lot of time yeah. and it took so long to get there. Oh my God. Like the drive plus the time change was just so long, like going through the time zones. Um, and just like hung out hung out with family, took a couple like day trips to like other nearby cities, went into DC a couple days. So that was really nice. Went to some museums. Um, And for the summer, my main job, so I'm actually full-time working a non-legal job. Mm -hmm. I'm working at a bar and there's like a whole long-winded explanation for this, but basically all the jobs that I really want, I either had a conflict of interest with because of working in eviction defense so like housing firms were like listen you worked in eviction defense so that's an issue for us or I didn't have enough accounting background for the tax jobs that I was interested in Mm -hmm. so I told myself in the spring I'm gonna apply to at least 15 jobs put myself out there if that doesn't work out I'll find something else and then I'll work on getting some accounting background so that's what I ended up choosing So I have a non-legal job. I'm working on taking accounting classes beginning in July, Um, just like an online free one. I did a bunch of research and found two that seemed like good options. And then I'm also taking MBA accounting classes in the fall for my school. And then on top of that, I'm going to be nannying once a week. And then actually when I was in Virginia, my uncle asked me if he could like contract legal research work out to me. So I'm going to do legal research for my uncle who is a lawyer. Um, and he does like civil rightsy stuff, um, criminal stuff, 
constitutional stuff. And then he works a lot with the Mexican government capital punishment cases because Mexico does not have the death penalty. So he does a lot of work with them for people who um, are facing, are Mexican citizens facing capital punishment in the U.S. or are people who have American citizens who have committed crimes in Mexico and like all that kind of stuff. So that's more of like a random, a random job. Yeah. Um, nice. Nice. I bet, um, I bet working a non-legal job and like interacting with people not in the legal field is really nice. It is. <laughs> it's so nice. And it's like not to knock law school or like the people in law school, but it's just like, such a different vibe and it's also really made me realize how each sort of profession I mean it is its own like little cult its little culture its little ecosystem and now I'm in a completely different ecosystem and I'm in the service work ecosystem but there's also you know like having managers having like a hierarchy like there's all that kind of interplay between people that is in the legal field is in law school but it's just like completely different surroundings and it's been super interesting and just really fun yeah I always like something that is so mm, almost shocking to me about the legal field is how like unconventional the hierarchy system is like it's not just like you have a manager it's like you have 10 managers at any given time And also like people who maybe aren't really your managers are kind of your managers. Right. Um, That's genuinely one of like the more stressful things about the legal field to me. Mm -hmm. Like you could have a partner that you mainly work under, but that doesn't mean that other partners aren't going to pull you in or have you do stuff for them too. And then it's just like goes up and up and up. But there's, I feel like there's a lot of, like horizontal leadership. So there's so much in every single step in law firms, whereas like other places, it doesn't feel like it's that many. You just have like my first manager, my second manager, the person here, the CEO, the da-da-da. Right. It's not as, it's not as like easily mapped out. Like you couldn't really make an org chart for a law firm. Not the org chart. Okay, let's get into pro bono. Yes. Really, my favorite thing in law school. It's so good. I just had pro bono last night and it was so fun. Oh my God. I have not done any pro bono since graduating. I don't think I can. Really? No. There's, I mean, there's at least no like system in place for us to do pro bono. That's fine. I know, but let's, let's start with an explanation of what pro bono actually is, because I think people get really confused about the difference between pro bono and public interest. Mm -hmm. So how I always explain pro bono to people is like, it's work that you're doing free of charge, but that doesn't mean that you're doing public interest work. It is not always for the public's interest. Like you could be handling, like you do like eviction work, like housing work. Um, And people have different opinions about whether that's public interest, but it's not like working for a public defender's office. 
Right. Yeah. I always think of it as like legal services in subject areas. It depends on the school. Schools do different subject areas or have different programs in place. Um, for people who literally can't afford an attorney, and sometimes they're just coming in for advice, sometimes they're in, coming in for guidance um, with paperwork, sometimes the courthouse sends them and is like, hey, we printed off this whatever for you after you went into court, you need to go here and see if they can give you 15 minutes of time and explain it to you. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's other ones where you take on clients like a little in a little bit more capacity. Um, but at least in a lot of my experiences, it's on the spot services. Sometimes people return, but like there's not usually the expectation of we're not taking on cases. We're just helping you with where you're at. Mm, okay. So we, um, it depends on what the actual structure of the program is at my school. So I think like I will delay that explanation until we get into how our programs are structured differently because UNC does have like a very unique um, way that it runs its pro bono program. Um, but pro bono can be done by law students and attorneys. And then depending on what you're doing, other people like legal assistants or undergrad students, um, it really just depends on what it is. Like if you are an undergrad student and someone wants you to do doc review, you can definitely do that because it does not take any special skill, maybe just like a lot of patience. Um, but if someone wants you to do like legal research or actually represent them in court, you gotta be an attorney and in some scenarios, a law student. Yep. I know in my experience, specifically at the clinic that I do, we have undergrad students, obviously we have law students, we have attorneys, and then we have some community volunteers as well. So some who work in law firms as like legal assistants, and then specifically the one that I do, we have outside translators who they actually get paid, but they get paid through one of the big law firms in town. They pay for the translators to come. So that's yeah. another thing. Translators in pro bono. God, that's a topic. <laughs> it's that that really shows, in my opinion, like how white the legal field is. The fact that like getting a translator is so difficult. Mm -hmm. That's that's like a lot of what I do too, like on the side, because in addition to like going to the in-person clinic, I translate like the forms I translate are like um, website of pro bono. Like I translated all of that so that all of the pro bono and like their titles and their appointments and all those systems, those are all translated so that when people are coming or looking to come, all that stuff is in English and in Spanish. Yeah, really uh, baseline, like bars on the floor type accessibility. <laughs> that yeah. we struggle with. <laughs> Literally, that's it. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> so at UNC, the structure of our pro bono program, um, we have like three different categories of pro bono. Um, and the one that most law schools have is 
clinics. Um, and we have a few ongoing clinics. I ran one of them. I ran our expunction clinic uh, where we did take on clients and we would handle their expunctions for them. Um, and then we have one that uh, we call the cancer clinic and we have our volunteers go into UNC med um, like hospital and do like power of will and just like different documents that can help people who are being treated for cancer. Um, so those are really the only ongoing clinics that we have. And then we also have what we call like attorney projects. And that is when any attorney in the country contacts us and is like, I have this very discreet assignment. It's like 20 hours of work. Here's exactly what I want them to do. Um, and a student can just sign up to do it. And a lot of the time it is doc review or it's legal research um, or translation stuff. So I did a ton of that in um, like criminal defense and post-conviction work, a lot of work for the ACLU, a lot of work on capital punishment cases um, where like genuinely one of the biggest issues is that like the ACLU didn't have the manpower to send someone to the law school to look through the court files because we have the court files at the school. <laughs> and it's just like, all right, like get a law student to do it. Um, and then we also have what we call like student group projects. So if women in law wants to do a project, they can. Um, and they do, they have like ongoing domestic violence projects that they do. And what makes UNC's program unique is that almost no other school, actually no other school that I know of does attorney projects. It's usually just clinics. Yeah, that's definitely my experience with my school. There's also a couple different levels. So we have three in-person clinics every single week that run 12 months out of the year. Um, they're Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I always do the Wednesday one. And I'm usually at that one. Well, I've done a couple different ones, but I, I went to that one and I liked it. My 1L Winterum. And I go to that one specifically because they need Spanish speakers because the location of it is in a predominantly Hispanic neighborhood. Um, and about 50% of the clients that come in speak Spanish as their first language. So... I'm like the front of the house at that one. We do completely remote ones. So we still have Zoom ones that are like, you can either be on it or you can just call in. Um, we have a couple where it's like you submit your legal questions and we have people reply to them. And then we also have um, sort of like pro bono trips. So just depending on the needs of the community or like what's going on, the school might have people sign up during spring break, winter, or summer to go on a trip to provide legal services with um, a set of attorneys who are also volunteering. So winter, my 1L, I didn't go on this, but a bunch of people went on a trip to um, a military base that was housing a lot of Afghan refugees. So there was like three groups of law students who went with attorneys to do um, like immigration stuff, um, refugee papers, like all sorts of immigration issues there. 
And they do like a couple of those each year, just kind of depends on what's going on in the area or like within a few hours drive. And what else? There's a lot of things that like can be considered pro bono. So sometimes orgs will also like host something. So like this past year, our immigration law group did um, a citizenship clinic. Mm -hmm. So I worked at that one too. And they typically do a DACA clinic, but with all of the like mess with DACA right now, we didn't do that one this year. And I'm trying to think. Sometimes if you sign up for an internship, where you would get credit and it's like not working out the way that you want it to, you can instead flip it for it to count as pro bono. So say you're doing like the public defender clinic for credit and it's not what you wanted or you decide to do something else or like you just can't do the time commitment for the credit anymore, you can do it for pro bono instead. And in those cases, you will have clients that you will take on personally and then same with like we have a, a business and entrepreneurship one. If you don't want to do that one for credit, you can do it for pro bono hours. And that one you also take on clients to help with like small businesses and stuff. Interesting. So we also we have trip projects. Um, ours typically because of how North Carolina is um, typically is helping indigenous tribes um, in North Carolina. Um but I unfortunately have not been able to go on any of them. Yeah. Sucks. Um, but we have that. And then you can count clinic time as pro bono if you go over the necessary hours. So if you have an externship or if you have a clinic, the I think set amount of hours for us is like 128 for three credits. Um, and if you go over that, you can count it as pro bono. But there's no option to be like, never mind, I don't want to do this for credit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There I can't remember what happened last year, but there was like a major issue with one of the internships. And so like I think all of the people that were doing it flipped it to pro bono hours instead because it just was like not what everybody expected or something like weird happened. So they were like, yeah, not not doing that anymore. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. That also like <laughs> raises a, a question that is just absolutely fascinating to me, which is like, what counts as pro bono at different schools is mind boggling to me. Yeah. Like, I know there, there are just like differences in some people will let you count pro bono that you do at firms oh. as pro bono hours. And to me, it's like, Curly Pup, you got paid $40,000 over the summer. You weren't doing shit for free. That was not pro bono. You're getting money. Yeah. That's, so, a, little, that's a little wacky weird. So. We don't count that as pro bono at UNC. And then we also just have like interesting little rules where like if the project is like an on-call project, you don't get to count every single hour that you're on call. You only count a quarter of the hours. Um, so you get essentially like credit for 25% of the time that you are on call, but not actively working. Interesting. And then if you do a public interest internship over summer and you don't get paid, you get 25 hours. Like you don't okay. get 
Yeah. You don't get to count all of them. You get 25 hours. That does not make any sense. No, it doesn't. But it's because like, we don't like, um, the, the program is like really concerned with not over inflating our numbers. Um, okay. I mean, I guess compared to other schools, that makes sense. Cause like, I don't know. We've talked about this before. Like the amount of hours is like super different even between you and I, just because we don't have the attorney projects. So mm-hmm. we can't just like pick up things in our free time outside of like things that are already scheduled, yeah. which in my school, it's usually like a two hour time frame for the student volunteers. Whereas like for me, since I'm on the board, my shift is more like four hours. So like, even then, if I would have to do like all of them every single week to like reach the amount of hours that you have because yeah. we still have those like external projects. Yeah. And ours, like, honestly, I ended with like, God, 350, maybe closer to 400 hours. Um, and honestly, probably 200 of those hours came from winter break projects, which is projects you're doing when you are not in class. Like you don't have to be balancing pro bono with anything else. And I would get like an assignment from the ACLU or like the NAACP and it'd be like 80 hours that I did over winter break. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot more opportunity with these attorney projects to get like really, really substantive learning in. Yeah, which is really good. That's a really good option to have. I think every school should implement it. I think every school should. Oh, yeah. um, However, it requires actually hiring someone to be your pro bono coordinator. And uh, not a lot of schools want to do that. No, no, they don't. We have like two main people who are like really the big heads. We have like our director and then I think like our assistant director or whatever. And the person who typically would oversee the clinic that I help run, like those, that position just like, there's not a good retention rate for it. Like the last two people that I've been in school while it's been happening have only stayed for like a year. Granted, the first person got like their dream job elsewhere. So like, that's why they left. But the second person just like recently left. And it's like, it's a really stressful clinic to be at. Like, and that's me saying that as somebody who is usually at that one every single week. But I I reduced it to every other week this summer because my schedule is just like a shit show. but typically I'm there every single week and it's a very stressful clinic, but that position for like the overhead, it's not required that they're an attorney. Um, but I think in like this situation specifically, it would be really helpful if the next person actually was an attorney or at least has like gone to law school, maybe not practice, but like at least have the background because I think it's a very stressful job if you do not have certain like basic knowledge on things because there's a lot of questions that even attorneys will have at their pro bono shifts and sometimes the students know more than the attorney does on a certain a certain topic because if that student goes to that clinic all the time and deals with the same issues all the time they're gonna know a lot of stuff (laughs) yeah no for sure um we only have one employee at our pro bono program um the pro bono director. Um, and she 
handles like all of the major things, but all of the projects are run exclusively by students. So um, I fully ran the expunction project myself. Like I was in charge of um, getting it set up, like coordinating with legal aid organizations, um, booking rooms. Like I was in charge of if we were gonna have like food there, like everything, making sure everyone had like signed all of their paperwork. Everything is run by students. Dang. Yeah, which is why <laughs> our pro bono our pro bono board is like the most intensive board that you can be on. Um, it was roughly like a ten hour commitment every single week, which is so much more than other student organizations. It is hard, <laughs> hard to communicate how much more it is than other student organizations. Yeah. Like if you think about it, student orgs usually have like an e-board meeting like what once a month, usually something like that, and then like a beginning meeting in the semester and meeting in the semester, maybe something fun thrown in. Like it's not a lot of work. Yeah, I would say I spent. We had an hour-long meeting every single week, um, and then I spent you know, a few hours coordinating different things. And then the, a few hours actually supervising my team at my event. And that is not even considering like, oh, I have to go out and like table today, or I have to go and like answer questions about the winter break projects or things like that. So UNC is very lucky to have a pro bono board because not a ton of schools do. They'll just have like individual people who work for the projects. Um, so it has given me a ton of good experience. Um, but it's also like, no employers understand how much work went into this. <laughs> it's any different on a resume than just being on the executive board of women in law. Yeah, no, it's, it's a lot of work. We actually have people working in our pro bono office like during the school year and then they have people who work in the summer there as well so on top of like the two directors and the like part-time coordinator person we'll have students working there too so I think this summer they have two people who I literally just met yesterday they have two people working with them so they've been doing a lot at like my clinic while I haven't been volunteering so Man, it sounds like maybe UNC Law should have paid me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's just like an ongoing revelation you have throughout law school. And I guess after it, where you're like, man, I did a lot of free labor for this school. Yeah. Yeah. Um, something we haven't completely talked about, I think. What are all of like the types of law? that get touched in your pro bono programs? Oh my God. Everything you could possibly imagine. Like, because we have those attorney projects and we are able to get anything from anyone, um, you can really, really diversify the types of law that you expose yourself to. I would say that most of it 
tends to be public interest oriented law. Um, so we get a lot from legal aid organizations or like I said, like the ACLU, just because those are the people with the least resources. And if they can offload some busy work to law students, like they're going to. Um, and we have a lot of people who are like at UNC Law working for those um, organizations now. So they understand that this is a resource that they can tap into. So a lot of that, a lot of um, public defender stuff. We used to have a decent amount of DA's office stuff. I think it is less now. Um, but we also get stuff from firms. Like you can get like an IP assignment from a firm. And that's how a lot of people who maybe didn't have luck the traditional way of like OCIs getting in with firms. That's how they create connections. That's smart. I, I would say our like very structured clinics have set limitations on what we do. So the clinic that I run, we do anything civil um, with a couple caveats. Like we don't do adult guardianship. We have like a separate clinic for that that has, has like appointments because most of ours are just like first come first serve walk-in um so that's where we do a lot of eviction stuff like a lot of eviction stuff um we'll do like general small claims um quick claim deeds stuff like that sometimes we'll like deal a little bit um with probate not like a ton but there's a bit in there we'll do family law so we'll do like custody stuff we'll do visitation parental rights, grandparent rights. Um, we'll do immigration there. And sometimes we also have the Mexican consulate come um, and they'll table there as well. And we'll handle like anything to do with that really. And then we also have um, child support at that, at the one that I do. So those are like the four big topics, but there's like so many different kinds of civil issues that come in. And then the other two in-person ones, one is just civil and the other is civil and family. And then outside of that, we have like very specific ones that are actually run through like a different system that isn't um, controlled by our pro bono network through the school. It's like a different sort of like nonprofit network, but we supply the student volunteers for them. So they have very specific ones. Like they do the adult guardianship, they do family forms, they do um, divorce paperwork, they'll do all of it with them. Um, and they'll do like very specific, like time consuming things that can't necessarily go through our pro bono system just because we're first come first serve. So we usually want things to last about an hour and then get you out the door. Um, I mean, sometimes people take longer. It just kind of depends on what's going on. But the goal is every person gets one hour with an attorney and yeah. law student. Um, and then we have like the email ins, we have the call ins. And then we also do like the if legal aid needs help, then we can do pro bono for legal aid um, that way too. So that's a good way to get um, like a expungement and more like criminally experience is through like what the legal aids need help with more so than what the school does. Cause the school doesn't, I don't think we do anything criminal, like on our own. I don't think we handle anything. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's so crazy because so much of our stuff is criminal. Yeah. I think like the vast majority of what we do is like very much civil oriented. Yeah. 
man, I would say probably 60% of our pro bono is criminal or post-conviction work. Yeah. Ours is definitely like the exact opposite. (laughs) Crazy. I mean, we do, we have plenty of civil stuff, like eviction stuff. Like I said, the cancer project, um, we have like wills, we have like veterans stuff. Um, we do domestic violence work, but like it, it, yeah, if, if you want to get criminal experience, you can get it. I have like 350 some hours. And I would say probably 320 of them are criminal. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Very much. Not like that. It's, it's definitely like the, the farmed out stuff that's more criminally oriented. Yeah. I I really think that's it. Cause that's like all the farmed out stuff is like the expungement um, appeals, like all that kind of stuff. We, we don't run ourselves. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, we do, we partner with legal aid organizations um, or like groups of attorneys to do all of this stuff. So we have like supervising attorneys that sign up for the cancer clinic or like I partner with legal aid for the expunction project. Um, But yeah, most of it is just fully attorney submits an assignment and you sign up for it. (laughs) So it's a lot of the work very hands-off like the attorneys are very hands-off from like the stuff that you do oh yeah yeah so I would say like most of the attorney assignments that I'm getting or that I got while in law school it was like you would email them and be like hey like I signed up for your project blah 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 and they would either email you back like a detailed description of what they wanted or they would meet with you on zoom for like 15 20 minutes um and you would just like do the work and if you needed to check in with them you would like email them you might set up another zoom call but like if I was say say I got I did a project where I was assigned to um look at defenses to a certain criminal offense. And I met with the guy on Zoom for like 10 minutes. And then the next time I spoke with him is when I was submitting the assignment. Like that's it. Yeah, that's that's pretty different for us. Um, a lot of, well, the in-person ones for sure. A lot of what the law students do is like be there with the attorney but like your main your main job is to ask questions and take notes like that's really what you're there for you're there to like supplement the attorney so the attorney's going to do most of the talking the attorney's obviously going to give like the direct legal advice and it's like really your job as the student to be like very familiar with like that type of stuff and we have like a bunch of guides that have like all of the documents that people need for specific things. Like we can easily pull up like the county forms for like a quick claim deed or a divorce paperwork. Like we can pull all of that up and print it for them. So that's like a lot of what the law student's goal is, is to be able to navigate like all of the legal forms and get the correct ones, print off the right amounts, um, do that kind of stuff. And then like supplement an attorney if they like don't usually tackle that kind of thing because when it comes to the civil issues especially if the attorneys that are volunteering 
haven't really done pro bono or didn't really do pro bono when they were in law school or just like don't work in the area that they're volunteering for pro bono, that's when a lot of the times the students will know more than the attorney and the student has to be able to like pull all, all of that up so then the attorney can thus give the advice since we are not supposed to give the advice unless yeah. we're like practicing under the student practice rule, which not all of the clinics do that. That's more so like the PD, DA clinics. So. And the business clinic, they can practice that. So for our in-person clinics, I would say we're still like incredibly hands-on. Like my expunction project, it is like being able to identify the right forms to use, but then you're actually, you're downloading that form, you're filling the form out. Um, if you have questions, you ask the supervising attorney, but like you're doing the vast majority of the work and then you submit all of your work to the supervising attorney and their team like double checks all of the work before it's submitted essentially. Um, but I don't, I can't think of maybe free legal answers. We have a free legal answers project which is much more like that, where it's like you're with an attorney and the attorney is doing um, like the advice giving and you're really like a supplement. But most of our work is not um, face-to-face with clients, which I think is why we get a little more wiggle room. That makes sense, yeah. Because ours is very like each student is paired with an attorney because obviously they don't want any of us like acting unethically and doing yeah. things that we're not supposed to do. Um, so there's always an attorney paired with the student. I mean, depending on like your skill set, what year you are, your experience and stuff, you get to do like a little bit more of the talking. Obviously you don't get to give the advice, but you get to do more of like the interviewing, the intake, the information, figuring out what's going on in the situation. And then the attorney will, you know, have you look at stuff while they talk to them and figure things out. Um, but it really just depends on a lot of the different dynamics between the attorneys and the topic and which clinic you're at, what you're doing. Um, and then you'll obviously do more at the clinics where you are actually taking on clients and doing it that way. Um, yeah, I think now that I like am on the board I do more administrative stuff than actually like sitting down and doing the face-to-face because at least more recently, the main times that I get to do that is only when I'm translating. I'm so I don't really like do the note taking anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm like always directly talking to the clients because I'm either helping them fill stuff out, explaining things to them or doing translating. So I don't do as much of like the dirt dirt taking notes for the attorneys. Yeah. I mean, that's nice. Like I wish there were more client facing opportunities at UNC because I, I do genuinely believe that's a really, really big flaw with a lot of law students is like, they do not know how to talk to a client at all. It's like really bad. Yeah. Mine is like, I see it. I see every single one of the clients that comes into my clinic, every single one, I have to talk to them. So every single person that gets helped has like gone through me to like get help. Yeah. I mean, there's just to like emphasize how different it is. Like as a first year student, you can take on 
a parole review case that is supervised by an attorney, but like you are the one directly in contact with the client. Um, you're like the one calling them to, you know, figure out the, the petition that you're going to submit. You're contacting all of their family. You're contacting like housing resources and rehabs that they could take part in after. Um, you're like putting together the document to send to the board. And then you're actually the one that goes before the board and speaks for the client. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. I did that three weeks into my second year. Oh my God. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, that's intense. It is. It's so intense. And like, luckily, I mean, the legal field is small and like the parole board knows that it's students doing the work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they're so nice about it. Like I, the commissioner that I spoke to like complimented me after that, which is like not something that happens when you're an attorney, <laughs> um, especially when they deny your parole. <laughs> um, but yeah, you get a lot of like very, very hands-on experience that is genuinely scary as shit, but I'd rather get it as a law student whose work is being double-checked by supervising companies and everyone involved knows that I'm like just a law student than, you know, if I'm a first year associate doing it. Oh my God. It's also funny that our programs are so different when our like pro bono directors are besties. Yeah. (laughs) It's so funny. (laughs) We, uh, so probably a disclaimer we should make here is that like, we go to two schools with like very well-structured and recognized pro bono programs and not every school has that at that asterisk disclaimer yeah Yeah, definitely important but um yeah like our our directors are besties they go to like their little conventions together for pro bono directors (laughs) I think I'm pretty sure the stat currently is that at least 75% of students do pro bono during their time in school, which in general is pretty high. Yeah. Yeah. We at UNC, we just completed our sixth year of 100% pro bono participation. Major Um, slay. Major slay. We love it. But it is like by the end, it's like hunting people down and being like, you're going to do pro bono. So to, to get that percentage up to 100, we do pop-up pro bono, which is you come during the lunch hour, you are given lunch and you do a one hour project (laughs) and anyone can sign up for it. And honestly, most of the people who do it are people who already have pro bono hours, but it's just there to be like, Hey, like, I know you haven't logged any pro bono hours. Do you want free lunch? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but no, like you think like schools are so small and you think like, oh, I know everyone in my class. There's only 180 of us. I know everyone, right? And then it's like, these are the last 10 people who have not logged a pro bono hour. And you're like, who? I've never heard this name in my life. I've never seen this person in my life. I'm pretty sure they're not even a law student here. 
pro bono honors is also different at every school. Like what it takes for you to be honored and what comes with being honored, very different at the schools. Um, At my school, if you've done a hundred hours, you get recognized at graduation. They call your name um, and you have like, I actually don't even think you have like a little asterisk or anything next to your name. I think that's just honors, but um, Mm -hmm. like academic honors, but they call your name if you've done a hundred. If you've done 75, you get to go to a dinner at the end of your 3L year. And that is it. Okay. No plaque or anything? Oh, we get like a like a paper certificate that says how many hours we've completed. Okay. Yeah. We also get a pin, a lapel pin. Yeah. I'll put that on my grad, my grad fit. Um, so we get recognized at 50 hours and at 120 hours, and those have different cord colors. So you get a graduation cord. And then every single year we have an honors induction night where they also give you dinner and announce your name and you get your paper certificate. And then at graduation, you get called and then you also get your name written on a plaque that's kept like in our pro bono office so everybody that gets inducted that year your name goes on the plaque which is usually around 100 100 students I think this year was 109 people got inducted so then your name goes on the plaque and then because I'm on the board my name is on a different plaque for being on the board interesting so we we have a plaque but we have pro bono awards um so we have like 3l of the year 2l of the year 1l of the year um like student group of the year just like things like that um so basically the only way to get honored above just like that certificate and your name called a graduation is to win one of those awards yeah Um, and board members are ineligible for them Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because it's supposed to be like, well, that's your, like you have, it's a pre-existing duty to do pro bono work. You're on the board, right? We're not recognizing you for it. Okay. What is it based on? Is it based on hours or is it just based on like, do you get nominated or? Um. So we put out a call for nominations, but honestly, probably 80% of the nominations come from board members who are like, you know, I supervise this person and they were really great. And I know they have like a really diversified um, pro bono experience. So it's not just like strictly ours, but a lot of the people that we do recognize are like, they're getting in their hours. Okay. Okay. I would say ours is the same. Um, at UNC, can you do pro bono before 1L? Mm, technically, yes, but just during orientation. Oh, interesting. Okay. We're we allowed to the summer before. Oh, no, we have like a, we have two different projects that they can do during orientation as like an introduction to pro bono. Here's the board. Here's how you get involved. Um, and like even during orientation, 
like the forced orientation that they have to go through. Um, we get an hour with the students to explain pro bono and give out t-shirts and basically be the first students in the school to indoctrinate them into our student organization. Okay. Ours is sort of similar. We have like a, a big orientation video that the one else have to watch. Um, and there's a section in there about pro bono. And then there's a big pro bono lunch in like the first week of school. I'm pretty sure like when they're doing their like lunch events and stuff like right away. So there's usually like a student rep from each one of the different clinics and you just go in there, explain like what you do at the clinic, how to get involved, stuff like that. I will say another thing that I really appreciate about our pro bono program is we provide transportation to a lot of the in-person ones. Mm -hmm. So like if you're at school and it's during like your break time, like we have a shuttle that is usually student driven and there will be a, a board member who will drive that shuttle to the pro bono and will drive you back afterwards for you to get to class or for you to go home or whatever, um, which I think is really cool. That's so interesting. So we don't have, typically we don't have any pro bono projects that are off campus. They're either virtual or take place in the law school or like it's at UNC Health which is on campus, like it's the UNC Medical Research Center. Um, we only have transportation for like those trip events where we're like going off to Cherokee or something. Okay, interesting. Yeah, our three really big ones, those ones have transportation. And then the rest are either like done within the school or they're like through one of the legal aids. So you like have to go to them. But the ones that are like through the school, we we have a, I wouldn't call it a, a van. It's like sort of like a minibus situation. I don't know. It fits in our parking garage. So yeah, give you that big. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't really matter to me that you don't get like anything special for doing pro bono hours because like the the thing you get out of pro bono hours is experience and being able to come into an interview and point to like all of this different type of research that I've done, um, all of like the client facing work that I've done, arguing in front of the parole board, like that is stuff that really sets you apart as a candidate. And also um, it's just a good thing to do. Yeah. Just like, yeah, it's because pro bono is one of like the main things that I was looking at when I was looking at law schools. Like I was checking to see what kind of clinics the schools that I was interested in were running. Yeah. And also like a very random, weird, like base of knowledge that you can get is I know like where in the courthouse you go to file certain things now because I've had to deal yeah. with like so many types of certain cases I can be like oh yeah go to room four blah 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 or like okay this is probably the courtroom you'll be in like you'll probably have this commissioner da 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 like you learn all of that by doing pro bono mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think 
what um, like is not super understood is that like you as an attorney can just do pro bono by recognizing that a client of yours cannot afford you and not charging them. Yep. And that's mm-hmm. like, that's like a morally good thing to do. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is, um, so, um, another thing that I don't think we quite mentioned was firms will take on pro bono projects or like pro bono certain clients. So you can do pro bono through your firm and get pro bono hours too. Yeah. Like, absolutely. Um, and those tend to be incredibly interesting high stakes cases. Like the kinds of cases you think are being handled by the ACLU, typically they're partnered with a law firm Mm -hmm. because the law firm has the resources to do all of the work. Um, so a lot of it's being, being delegated to a law firm who's taking it on pro bono. Um, and you get to do a lot of really, really interesting work. A lot of the um, pro bono that the firm that I worked at last summer has been doing in the past couple of years has been immigration work. And so they have, they don't have any immigration attorneys <laughs> like at this office, but they're like people from a bunch of different practice areas have been taking on immigration cases or working in like that um, citizenship clinic that I did too. Mm-hmm. Um, quite a few of them volunteered through that way too. Yep. Yeah. Uh, a lot of impact litigation is done through firms pro bono. And a lot of, I like a lot of the impact litigation that I worked on while I was at the firm was immigration focused. There's so many options. There's so many options. There's no excuse to not do pro bono. No excuse. And like my school makes it very easy to sign up. We literally give you all the instructions. We give you like all of the tutorials. You have like a full on training with like videos, forms, everything. And because we have the board and because all of us are like at the clinics, like we are physically there, like we know how to do everything, like all the stuff that's done at the clinic, we know how to do. So Mm -hmm. even if you're like anybody 1L or you're in undergrad and your school has a law school that has pro bono, like we will help you. We will help you through. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's, I think, a big part of like your job on the board is to make 1Ls recognize that they are capable of doing pro bono work. Absolutely. And you are, like you are. You should do it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And a lot of states require you to have a certain amount of hours to be admitted to the bar. So also consider that. True. Think of that when you're thinking of what state you want to go to school in and what state you want to practice in. Yep. New York, got to have 50 hours. Long story short, um, you should be doing pro bono. Yeah, it's great. It's the best part of law school. It's the best part of law school, and it also is probably the best thing you can do in law school to set yourself up for your future. Yes. You, one, it's great. And two, if you're thinking from, like, very much a career perspective, you can make crazy connections at Pro Bono. Like, insane. So. Yep. Great to use in interviews, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
Well, that's all for this week's episode of The In-Laws. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at The In-Laws Pod. We post these full-length episodes every Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, other than the last month. So make sure to follow us and rate the podcast through whichever streaming service you're listening on. Talk to you next week. Bye.